0: If you like to eat, drink, and be merry, you're in the right place. Faith here with a welcome toast. It was Elsa Lancaster who said she looked as though butter wouldn't melt in her mouth or anywhere else. Please feel free to consume this show podcast in small bites or eat the whole thing. The following encore presentation of the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze is a favorite from our archives. Hope you enjoy. And Faith Middleton, it's great to have you joining the party on the Food Schmooze here on WNPR in Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and New York including the east end of Long Island, my food buddies are here. Christopher Prosperi of Metro Beast Restaurant in Simsbury, Connecticut. Regular contributor Alex Province of Hartford, Connecticut. Producers Lori Mack and Jonathan McNichol. Hey, everybody. Hey. Hey, And we always tell you this. Tell your friends, no matter where they live, that they can listen to the food schmooze from anywhere in the world, as many people do, at wnpr.org. I wanted to let you know that there is this very, very quirky Quarterly food journal called Lucky Peach. In the middle of it, I find a recipe from a mountain climber and a camper, and <sighs> he carries everything in, of course, so he's relying on lightweight ingredients. But he obviously is somebody who, who cares about food, so he says he's very proud of his beef a l'orange. So here's his description of the recipe. It's printed right here in the journal. Step one, brown chipped beef in vegetable oil. Step two, add a spoonful of flour and toast for one minute. Step three, stir in two soy sauce packets and one ketchup packet. Step four, stir in one cup prepared tang orange drink. Step five, simmer for eight to ten minutes until beef is swelled and sauce thickened. Step six, serve
1: with instant rice. That's awesome. that's thinking that, on your feet. Is huh? this is fun? That's I mean, like I, a sweet and salty beef dish. All right.
0: It's fascinating to me, this world of people who have to travel, whether you're in space, whether you're a soldier yeah. in the field. A camper like this guy. survivalist. Yeah. <laughs> where you're just, I mean, some people yeah. would say, you know, I'm a working mom and dad and, you know, we have to put together food as fast as we can. But the ingredients chipped that beef. people well, so where <laughs> I what, want chipped beef. Where because is chipped
1: beef? What is chipped beef? Where is, is it? it?
0: Dried where in in is it dry? Where do you find chipped beef in the frozen
1: food section?
0: Is it dry? No, or I think
2: I think I've seen it like in Stop and Shop, like on a high. Is, is it a can? Sort of, I thought it was like a package. It's it's not refrigerated. Oh, it's I thought it's was freeze dried.
0: Is so it? it's freeze dried. I thought it, it was be. in a jar, but it's. So I think
2: a jar. I think you're right. I think it's, it's in so a jar. It's so utterly preserved. I love, preserved. He said, I love when he said swelled.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: cook I, do too. Un- I think this is the that first is time. Where's really your bell? Swe- this
1: is the first time I think I've ever heard you say cook until swelled. <laughs> <laughs> it needs to be
2: called beef a la tongue. <laughs> and what was the other ingredient? Tang. What was the last time you yeah, saw Tang? It was tang.
0: So, what is Tang? Seriously, you don't know. Okay, I mean, so I remember they find... took it to space. Well, I, no, I, no. So I think, with some reverence, we should list the ingredients <laughs> that are in Tang. Okay, Jonathan.
2: It's sugar and citric acid, and then less than two percent of natural and artificial flavor, asorbic acid, maltodextrin, calcium phosphate. Well, that's one of my favorites. Guar and xanthan gums, sodium acid pyrophosphate. Cool. Artificial colors, yellow five and yellow six, and BHA. Nice.
1: Okay. Hey, good enough for our astronauts. It's good, good enough, enough for, our for our me. <laughs> I, I certainly had it as a kid. Do you remember totally. having it? Every, I definitely did. I like it. eating the powder. Yeah, like, I did too. Dip your finger Just, in. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> Burns the enamel off your <laughs> teeth. <team. Yeah. laughs> Okay, that, that's the recipe of the week.
0: Well, no, that is not the recipe of the week, but it's fascinating, absolutely fascinating. That'll gonna, be on our you website. You know what, bring the, yeah, I want that
1: recipe, please. All right. I'm going to try it? to make that. I'm going to try. Okay. Well, Who knows? Maybe it's wonderful. Do you cook well, it, it in like be. a can over a fire? <laughs> yes. I guess you'd have to to make it authentic. You're,
0: you mean you don't authentic. open – you just boil the can. It's, but, so here's, here's what I'm, I'm wondering. Now, if you're a, a climber, why wouldn't you – If you're going to put powder into a container, you actually could squeeze some juice from an actual orange and put it in a little tiny plastic bag. But the
2: water weighs. They're concerned about the weight, so the liquid's heavier. But you only needed
0: just the tiniest little amount of it. Or you could do an orange-flavored olive oil yeah, I think and drizzle it on instead of They should just do the chemical. Yeah, no,
1: I think he's got the point, though, because if you're doing it for just one drink, yeah, the little bit of orange concentrate is not a lot of weight. But if you're doing it for – if you're going out like some of these people go out for a week or a month into the woods – Right. Then it adds up. And and I know and I've talked to people. I've talked to people that have just done the Appalachian Trail and they're talking about like, oh, that's that's a couple ounces. I can't take that because yeah. mm-hmm. they carry everything on their backs.
2: As a kid, we would take if you had cereal, you get rid of the cardboard box. You would repackage stuff in Ziploc bags. They get, I mean, people cut their toothbrushes in half to conserve weight and, and space. Oh. Right. No, we that's, should. Do, that's a whole show. Yeah. So yeah. you
0: you're a mountain climber too?
2: When I was younger, no kidding. rock climbed, ice climbed, backpacked. Official observer. Now, now I just eat. I like watching.
1: I like watching people like like, like <laughs> them pack their packs because it's interesting to watch. I
0: like I like getting Spectator. the holiday cards from these people. Oh yeah yeah yeah. On the still trail, alive,
3: you know. So.
0: Okay. I don't know if anybody's an oyster fan. I love <laughs> you know, fresh hello. oysters, and mm-hmm. uh, some people don't, but I I'm crazy about them. Alex, did we have an oyster feast at the Oyster Club in Mystic, Connecticut? And it turns out that uh, Travel and Leisure uh, magazine recently named them one of the best oyster bars in America. And right, Alex right. and Matt Bennett and I, we devoured a platter <laughs> of no-ank oysters. They are fantastic. This was the first time that I've had no-ank yeah. oysters.
2: They had a gorgeous cup on them, yeah. like the cup where the fleshes was, was deep, flavor was briny and clean.
0: Just a beautifully balanced oyster. Were they large? or? On yeah, the s- they're medium-sized, medium but size. we
2: ate so many oysters. Uh, <laughs> it was crazy, <laughs> and we
0: had a wonderful wine to go with them, a Sancerre. French people will have this Sancerre with oysters. It was just perfect. It's, it's Classic. like a, you know, an elegant uh, Sauvignon Blanc for people who don't know what Sancerre is. But then they caught on to us, so out came a whole bunch of tastes from the menu. So
1: we got Including to try a- the thirty oysters? Wow. Yeah. So we started we started <laughs> you with We started the, with thirty oysters. We started
2: with thirty. <laughs> I sent Matt in and I said, you know, while well, I was trying to park the car, just get, you know, we were gonna do two dozen, three dozen. Matt's like, How about thirty? All right, do thirty and order a bottle sans and then that'll get us going. And we started with that before even looking at the menus. That's like dinner.
1: Yeah, I'll
0: say. But, well. You know, you the other thing. <laughs> Mystic, it's one of my favorite yeah. towns in Connecticut. Oh, my It gosh. is so beautiful and, in Mystic.
1: And in the fall, what is a more beautiful scene than downtown Mystic? Yeah,
0: in right. any season, that yeah. place. And the holidays, it's just gorgeous. Yeah. It's just they so. They have an
2: incredible restaurant scene now with Bravo Bravo, Red 36, Oyster Club, Engine Room s and I mean, yeah. you could just drive, park your car. There are so oh, wow. many incredible restaurants in that little town. You, you could do sell. like a
1: course in each restaurant. Start at the oyster for the – get a plate of oysters and move on to the next So let's restaurant. name a couple Stumble. of things that Stumble. we had
0: at Oyster <laughs> Club in Mystic that were standouts. I love the roasted beets with this orange whipped ricotta and a roasted peach. Black pepper and sage vinaigrette and toasted hazelnuts sprinkled Nom. over the top. That was very, very nice. I very much liked my pan-roasted fluke. Oh, that's and right. And with potatoes, roasted pepper, sweet onion. Uh, it had a, a parsley oil and garlic aioli. Alex, you, you liked the pasta you had, Yes. Yeah, right? so Matt
2: and I both had pasta. And Chef James is Famous for handmade pasta with braised meats oh. like cheeks and tongue yeah, and different uh, exotic heaven. cuts, and we typically order a pasta every time we go. As I stumble out the door, I always tell him how his pasta makes me cry. I mean, it's like food so so, so good. He had it's thirty
0: just... oysters and
2: pasta. Oh my god! Took wow. some home plus more P- oysters. P- P-
0: P- <laughs> I have to say that he does seem to be yeah. really great at braising things because because my favorite thing on the menu, believe it or not was this braised goat pasole with hominy, oregano, cumin, heirloom, onions, pink beauty radishes, lime, and salsa picante. And the braised goat was so delicious. And for people who say, oh, goat, you know, it scares me. If no one told you what it was, you, you would be know. saying, hmm, what it. meat is this? What meat is this? It just has this sort of gentle... Yeah. You know, there's, wow. there was nothing funky no, cross about between, what goat you,
1: can sometimes be. A cross between lamb and beef maybe, right? Yeah, I love it. It's it. a softer, great description. Than lamb, right? softer than lamb. We eat it all the time because one of my guys that works for me is Jamaican, and he brings it in from home. Mm-hmm. And, oh, my God, do they do good goat dishes.
2: I think the, his braised dishes, the fat comes out of it, so it seems like it's less fatty. Like and It, it always seems like it's just more the protein strands without all the... That. So
0: that's a great point, Alex, because remember when Jean-Georges had a restaurant called Vong? Oh, yeah. And, um, I went once and there were, I don't know, I'd say eight courses. Every single dish was served in some kind of exquisite Vietnamese broth, mm-hmm. which is so traditionally Viet- Vietnamese. And it takes a lot of beautiful poaching of and you know flakes of this, that, and the other thing to make these multi-layered broths. There's so much complexity in them so i noticed that the broth in his braise clean. is really it's clean but it has just exquisite flavor so very nice oyster right. club in uh, downtown Mystic, and that's Chef James, and the owner is
2: Danny Miser.
0: A lot of fun in Mystic. No matter what you do, where you go, just roam around. It is just the best place. All right, we did oyster fans. We, we, There's a lot of us love oysters. How about polenta fans? I'm crazy about polenta. Yeah, you got me
1: with that one. Instant
0: polenta, fast polenta. Want, uh, and I don't mean instant polenta yeah. that comes in a box. No, you meant fast polenta. I mean fast polenta. I love it, especially when you add to polenta a little bit of cheese or nuts or prosciutto, oh, maybe crispy bacon. Heaven. And I got to hand it to Find Cooking Magazine. They have just published a story by Maria Speck who has invented a way to make real polenta faster in less than 15 minutes. See,
1: that's crazy, because we put a pot on, and then... And then you have the stirring. We, and yeah, that. and when we, we do it as soon as we get into the restaurant, and then by dinner time, it, it's kind of ruddy. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> all that stirring. All stirring, and, all and it just that. simmers slowly I, and reduces uh, and sucks up uh, all the liquid. But it's a, it's a process. This is, is. real
0: <laughs> polenta in less than 15 how? minutes. Well, I'm going to tell you that, because we have a break right now, and
2: I'm going to, to say... We're going just, to make polenta during the break. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this
0: is you see why this is my favorite thing to do. Uh, these, how, how can you resist great company like this? I'm Faith Middleton. I hope you will make a charitable contribution to feed the hungry. They are more crowded than ever. More mouth-watering conversation and fun here on The Food Moose. We'll be right back. We have a free podcast for you, meaning you'll never miss a drop of pleasure. Just sign up for it once at our site, and we will automatically send you our show every week so you can listen on your schedule and hear about the delicious food, wine, events, and cocktails that we feature. Just go to our homepage, Food S C H Like School, Food Schmooze.org, and you'll see subscribe. Thanks to our talented team, senior contributor Chris Brosberry of Metro Beast Restaurant in Simsbury, Connecticut, regular contributor Alex Province of Hartford, Eugenia Matruda, Marion Roy, Senior Producer Lori Mack, and producer Jonathan McNichol. We thank you first and foremost for listening. All right, I've got Chris hanging on the edge of his chair because of <laughs> Polenta. <laughs> Maria Speck's uh, article in Fine Cooking Magazine. And it's how to make real polenta faster. In other words, in less than 15 minutes. It usually takes so long to make polenta. She calls it shortcut polenta. And it's on our website right now. Go to org. You're going to know it right away, because She was thinking about how we make oatmeal faster by soaking the oats overnight. Oh. And she said it just a light bulb went on for her.
1: Yeah, it just went on for me, too. Yeah.
0: She said she tried this out for the first yeah. time, and it worked A hundred percent. She said you buy real polenta, which is a a cornmeal, puts it in a big bowl or pot, pours in boiling water, covers that pot, and just lets it sit there overnight with the lid on. So it's sitting there for 8 to 12 hours. And then you make it in your traditional way, stirring, and it is ready to go in less than 15 minutes. I think that's genius.
1: I'm going to do that from now on. You're to start it the night Oh, gosh, yeah, why not? Just because you're
0: leaving the restaurant, yeah, I mean, why not? Just, boom,
1: done it. You come in in the morning, and you can make it in 10 seconds, and right, in my in, in my world.
2: Yeah. Chef, and instead of using hot water, what about using the hot stock that you're going to cook a sure. polenta in later, so that yeah, way you're not
1: – I mean, 50-50. Some people – I mean, traditionally, it's made with it water, water. But, okay. yeah, if you want to make it with stock, that adds just a little more flavor, especially if you're going to serve it with chicken. Well, Somebody chicken once did
0: stock. it in a crock pot, I think, too. I think so. So oh, yeah. right. I've done that, too. So, I've done
1: it, but it never makes enough, Oh, right? so here's what she's aren't big enough
0: yet. Here's what she's <laughs> doing. In a, a two-quart I'm, – I'm quoting now yeah. Fine Cooking Magazine. In a two-quart saucepan, she's bringing the, the broth to a boil. I'm talking here about chicken broth, okay? okay? So she's bringing the chicken broth to a boil. She's whisking the broth and a little salt into the polenta that loosens it and breaks up any clumps, brings that to a boil – On medium-high heat, a couple whisk turns, that takes about five minutes, then you turn the heat down, it's simmering, you just keep whisking constantly pretty much, and it becomes thick and becomes porridge-like, that takes about two minutes, she turns the heat down, covers and stirs, and the whole thing is done in less than wow. 15 minutes. And those are the steps after you've soaked it overnight. The next That's day. right, yes. That's great. Yeah, wow. yeah. So yeah. I am just going to save this forever. And by the way, I encourage you to see this particular issue or to go online for their thing because I love the add-ins on polenta. They've got yogurt, lemon, and dill, saffron, mm-hmm. and pistachio. Of course, I love cheese and polenta. And I can
1: see the photos from here. What amazing photography.
0: Yeah, it's really yeah. good. Really, really good. I'm just so impressed. And they also explain to you the difference between grits And cornmeal and polenta. It's just different grinds. Yeah, size, right? Yeah, the grits
1: are the largest, and right, and then it goes down from
0: there. (laughs) Right, Chris. I knew you would knew that. Okay. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I use a guy.
1: I use a guy down the street from me that actually grinds his own grits, polenta, cornmeal,
2: corn flour. So all I could think about, remember the true false questions that Faith was and, asking us, yeah. and all the hard and questions. We always Why lost. did we get a polenta question? What's the difference between grit and polenta?
1: No, because okay. she always gives us questions she knows we don't know the answer to. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not hard. Yeah, it's not hard. With We're getting all a
0: bad rap here, The face. four of us here. No,
1: no, it's not a bad rap. It's that's just really easy. <laughs>
0: Okay, I don't know. <laughs> I just got that. <laughs> Somebody got up on the wrong side of the bed this morning. Okay, Alex and company, let's mm. brainstorm about acorn squash. I cannot wait to start making it. I was stopping by lots of different farms recently, and it's just piles Everywhere. and piles mm. that I'm so excited. Okay, it's delicious. It's good for us. All right, Alex, and this, his recipe is on our website right now, Alex. And then I'm going to ask anybody else if you have a special trick. Alex, yep. give so, us your so
2: recipe. So like you, Matt kills me because I walk through the grocery store and I come home with all these squashes and acorn squashes and pumpkins. And I was like, what are we going to do with these? It's decoration. <laughs> well, <laughs> and in theory, I'm going to eat them. But here's a recipe that you can actually use <laughs> use this stuff. So I took an acorn squash. I cut it in half, took the seeds out, put it aside. Took a couple tablespoons of butter, some olive oil in a saute pan. I sauteed like a half an onion, a couple stalks of celery. Some crisp apples. So I use honey crisp apples. like that. Chopped in little pieces, a little salt, pepper, did some um, cremini mushrooms, playing off this fall sort of thing. So I sauteed it in this fat. And then at the end, added a little crushed garlic, some flat leaf parsley. And then once it was all sort of transparent, I put it in a big bowl off to the side. In the same saute pan, I took italian sweet sausage that i sort of cut the casing and then used a fork to squish it in the pan i crisped it i didn't i didn't touch it until i developed that good brown bits scraped it around put that into my bowl and then in that same saute pan i deglazed it with a little chicken stock you just
0: put a splash of chicken stock in
2: used a wooden spoon and then i dumped that into my Bowl, and that's about a, a cup and a half of stock when it was all said and done. So I mixed it with a big spoon. Then I took it and put the stuffing mixture into the acorn squash, just piled it up, used my hand to sort of get as much. I made too much stuffing, too few acorn squashes. <laughs> <laughs> so I fit as much as I could, put it on a pan, and I baked it in the oven at 350 until the squash was cooked, the skin was blistering. And then I found the stuffing gets a little starts browning, so I put tin foil on to, or aluminum foil on top just to keep it. And from did browning.
0: you use a little water in the bottom of the pan for that's the acorn That's a good idea. I didn't think of that.
2: Okay. But, I, but that's a great idea to sort of add some steam and prevent it from burning.
0: And it cooks a little faster, a little faster doesn't it? Oh, yeah. that's
2: good. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Oh, that
0: okay. That sounds delicious. That sounds really good. Matt Aww. loved
2: it. So how, so how long it normally doesn't eat squash?
0: That would be a main course then. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's what... That's dinner. Yeah. yeah, we had some... Speaking a macaroni and cheese, we had some... <laughs> Really good macaroni and cheese from a restaurant <laughs> that we didn't even get to. So I, I heat it since the oven on the was blowing, Why are they not 300 pounds? <laughs> I worked with a trainer yesterday. Oh, See, this God. is the thing.
1: He's working with a trainer so he can eat the squash macaroni and the cheese. macaroni and, and cheese. Sort of maintain that neutral. In neutral. <laughs> it's like carb
0: night Yeah, I got to work out for seven and a half
1: wow. hours today. But boy, I'm eating
2: that mac and cheese. And then you just take oh, yeah. a big spoon, scoop out all the, you know, the acorn, leave the skin, put it on you a mix plate. Mix it with the and, pasta? Oh, pasta would have oh been great. My God. So, when it comes out of the
0: oven, how do you serve it? Do you take the acorn squash along with the stuffing and put it into a bowl and mix it up all together?
2: No, sort of. I think Matt just sort of scooped it. And Matt's great at plating food. I was by his time upstairs in bed already starting watching television. So it came on a beautiful plate. I, wow. <laughs> yeah, I was going to how, how long did it take in the oven? Well, I was like sort of distracted. It depends. Uh, I did like an hour and a half. Yeah. But uh, you could probably. I wanted to make sure it was nice and soft. No, it does and- take a long time. I mean, they, that's
1: the one thing about the squash. They do. You have to yeah. you have to get them in the oven quick. You don't want do them al dente. You no, want you want it creamy. How
0: long would it take if we have a little water in the pan? That I, would speed I, it up a little bit. I, it, I remember it taking me about half an hour. Does that sound right? Or yeah. Or uh, you thinking now? But you want
1: it, like, if you like it like he does, and I do too, where it's soft and just yeah. melted. Right? And I think that's the difference between some people who are like, it never comes out the same as when I have it at the restaurant. It's, we cook it for a very long time because then it gets that kind of mashed potato-y kind of exactly feel. Exactly right. And mm. soft, it gets it's actually – comfort si- food. Yeah, and it's kind of mm, silky delicious. too, the squash, right?
2: I have mm. the sweetest lady at Whole Foods that watches my ingredients go by, and she <laughs> sort of pieced piece together what I was doing. And she also and, says to herself, why isn't he 300 pounds? Yeah. So, so she's, she's Peruvian and suggested I – instead of using the stuffing, I use rice, the stuffing mix that went in with the uh, the sautéed apples and onions and celery. She would use rice, and then this way you would end up with a Mm gluten-free dinner rather than, you know, stuffing that has bread, presumably with wheat. So
0: did you put bread in your stuffing? I used
2: the stuffing, the bread stuffing for carbohydrates D- you because a, you didn't have enough with
1: the
0: mac and cheese yeah. and the sausage right. and the squash. I didn't want rice,
2: I wanted so, stuffing. Wow. So
0: this recipe <laughs> is is on our website right now.
1: I'm thinking Thanksgiving.
3: And I was
2: just going to say early? the is same. Is it too thing? early? To
1: this think pre-Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving. No, but this I'm is pre-Thanksgiving. This is getting a, you in the mood. Would that be a great Thanksgiving dish.
0: Instead, but would you do this in with this stuffing in, it? would you do it instead of the turkey stuffing? I would, would do you? it
1: instead of the turkey stuffing and mm-hmm. I just saw and I, this, that's why it popped into my head. I just saw this recipe from Miller's Turkey Farm, where it actually had rice and wild rice instead of bread. And it's said because people are looking to, for gluten substitutes. So instead of putting the breadcrumbs in your stuffing, use rice or wild rice or a combination yeah. of the thing. And it works just like the breadcrumbs would or the little cubed breads would.
0: Well, there yeah. are also, you know, there are a million gluten-free breads, sure. UDI's, UDI, yeah. UDIs in particular, that are, that are, you know, terrific to use in
2: stuffing. So, so, so make your own stuffing. I use the, the plastic bag, yeah. you yep. know, the stuffing mix. Stuffing mix. Yep. Okay. But you so probably could have just as easily and for cheaper made your own stuffing. Well, yeah, but that's I, an uh, extra step. I'm yeah. with you but, on but, buying but the stuff. <laughs> did you
0: even have to add bread at all or rice Well, I at was all. thinking the same thing because that yeah. sounded perfectly Needs, fine. Well,
2: you need something to suck up the juice. And, and, and hold it together as a stuffing. Otherwise, it just sort it. of but breaks why? apart.
1: We could try Because it. Matt is a presentation <laughs> guy <laughs> and he's got and he a scoop it. and beauty plate, and right? Because no, I wouldn't have a problem if that it
0: be, was just yeah. falling all over the place, yeah. all over the squash. You were, it you were really already scooping yeah. it I out was always, the bowl I and was, was it having it a good time just with it. Like Me too. I would be just happy. Okay, well, foodschmooze.org, you'll find this <laughs> recipe. <laughs> <laughs> and we have uh, an early autumn cocktail coming up for you also just to get you ready. Chris, what would you do with acorn squash? So
1: I've been doing this with squash and we did this on Sunday. And it's something I picked up and I don't even know why I haven't been doing it all along because I have one of these devices and it's a pressure cooker. And just like when I found this when I was teaching somewhere, dusty in the corner, when I got back home, I found my pressure cooker dusty in the corner and I had to actually wash it because I hadn't used it in years. And it's the best thing because I take the squash, cut it in half, scoop it out, and then I just take about – Scoop out the seeds. Scoop out the seeds. And then I take about a half inch of water, put it in the bottom of the pressure cooker. I put the squash cut side down at the bottom of the pan. And then I just snap on the lid, you, you know, whatever the instructions for your particular pressure cooker is, get it up to full pressure. And we did spaghetti squash in six minutes.
0: Now that's yeah. pretty good, next to an hour and a half. Yeah, there,
2: but now isn't you are waiting for the polenta. You know all but these spicy yeah, foods. But, now. but six minutes, and and again, you could do this <laughs> with right. a, you could do this with wow. acorn squash
1: too, and then you just take six it out. Six minutes? Yeah, and then so now it's just cooked, so you yeah. don't have that stuffing thing. But now you can take that squash and scoop it. It comes right out of the. It's almost like the skin becomes a shell. Put some
2: butter. Cinnamon. Oh my
1: gosh!
0: Wait a minute. Why Heaven. couldn't while that's cooking, if you could mm-hmm. do. It fast enough, couldn't you just make up this filling mix Mm -hmm. in a saute pan that Alex describes on our website, his recipe? And just make that up, mm-hmm. and when you pull your acorn mm-hmm. squash out of there after mm-hmm. six minutes, just scoop, totally. put your cooked stuffing right yeah. into the center of it.
1: But then he wouldn't have been. This was all a plan. He would have been laying in bed waiting for the tray. <laughs> <laughs> we we got your. That number. is a great idea.
0: <laughs> now I forgot to ask you if you're cooking it in the the oven, the yeah. squash, not yeah. in the. I don't know why you wouldn't do it in a pressure cooker after hearing this, but yeah. if you do it in the oven because you like that kind of brazy mm-hmm. quality to it. Is it cut side down in the water?
1: If you're just going to do it plain, I do it cut side down. And that's why when you were saying you did it and it was a little faster than that, and that's why it goes faster. You put a little (laughs) water in the pan, it's cut side down. The flesh is in contact with the pan, and it does, I think, half hour. Yeah, half hour, 45 minutes, and an acorn squash is done.
0: All right. Very quickly, I want to tell you about a wine discovery This is, and I'll give you the name of the distributor so that they can look it up in the wine book at your wine store. As we usually do, $15 and under for our wines. And this is a very, very pale rosé from Bonnie Dune Vineyards in California. And it is the 2013 Vin Gris de Cigar. So V-I-N-G-R-I-S-D-E. C-I-G-A-R-E and it is absolutely delicious. I really like this wine. I walked into a small wine store on the green in Guilford, Connecticut Frank's and the man there said to me, oh, I had several in my hand. And I said, you know, what about this one? And he said, oh, that one I've had. That is delicious. And, you know, I had one that was $2 cheaper. And I thought, well, let me go for delicious. Let me see what, what this is like. And so thank you to to Frank's because that was a great suggestion. Here's what to say at your wine store. And this will range in price, depending on the store, between probably 12 and $15. So... Michael Skurnik Wines. You want to say if they don't have it on the shelf. Michael Skurnik Wines. S-K-U-R-N-I-K. This is on our website. So it's a 2013 Vin Gris de cigar. It's made by Bonnie Doon Vineyards in California. And, you know, he might Delicious just, drinking all year long. By the way, he might just
1: be the one who started that, right? That might be one of the first rosés made in California, right? In that style. Wouldn't yeah. be surprised. Wouldn't be surprised, the, right? Bone dry, bone dry, quite
0: elegant, but yeah. mm-hmm. just a, a whisper. You can you can taste the the grape yeah. skin in there somewhere.
2: Oh, Roan it's just varietals. wonderful. Rhone varietals
1: he, and, and making and also making rosés out of it. He might yeah. be one. One of the first California people, because that goes back to the early eighties. I don't remember. Yeah, a long time ago.
0: Yeah. Well, there's there was. I'm trying to think. There's another one of a guy out in California who was doing nothing but rosés, specializing in them. What happens is that these places that specialize in rosés can be hard for them. It was hard for them to make it, but as more and more of us have discovered rosés. You know, they have their own section now in the wine stores. Mm -hmm. You know, people have really started to get into rosés. We Walk down outdoor cafes, and no matter where you are, on the table out in front of the restaurant, everybody's drinking rosé now.
2: Great food wine, right? At first, it was I remember doing wine tastings. I felt like I was insulting people by asking them to try rosé, and they would tell me, I don't drink pink wine. I'm like, this isn't what you're thinking. I mean, these wines, if you were blindfolded, would— you would think was a white wine. It's Mm -hmm. so crisp, no sugar, very, very uh, fun to drink. And for us wine drinkers, it's just another color of wine to drink.
0: All right, so. we wanna give you on the other side of the break we have coming up. I asked Alex to come up with an early autumn cocktail where there's still some warmth in the air, but as Alex says, maybe you've got a sweater over your shoulders, you know. <laughs> we're gonna get to that in just a second. And it really sounds delicious. So and of course that's on our website as everything is. Coming up, we have the Farmstead Egg Guide and Cookbook, and we're gonna tell you how to make a quick and easy carbonara. Chris just made this for us, and it was so delicious. Oh and we had it three different ways, with gluten, without gluten, and with a vegetable to mimic pasta. <laughs> so we'll tell you how we did that. Plus, I've got a tip for you on the best gluten-free flour For bakers This is a a tip from a friend of mine Who is a baker And this is how she feels about it So I had her brownies And they were sensational In terms of texture and taste So we'll get to that in just a second Please support your local food growers And food makers Find the food, wine, recipes, cocktails That we feature right now Online at foodschmooze.org More delicious conversation After this quick break Please stay with us Have one more mouth watering bite of the Fuchsmous coming up. Here's something great to know about. Sign up for the app called NPR1. Just download it from the iPhone App Store or your Android device. And once you do, you can set WNPR as your local station. Couldn't be easier. Download the free app NPR1 and start listening. Let's party on more Fuchsmous. I'm Faith Middleton with the gang. This is the Food Party coming to you in Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and New York, including the East End of Long Island. You can tweet us at FaithWNPR, F-A-I-T-H-W-N-P-R. And to join the conversation with us on Facebook, search The Faith Middleton Show. As a matter of fact, I invite you to use uh, either of those, uh, to tweet us or to use Facebook, Because we're interested in promoting food trucks doing a great job. If you have a truck or know of a favorite, tweet us at the addresses we just gave you and just let us know where you are and we're going to pass on word of a good thing just love our food trucks out there and excited every time there's a new one that people are excited about all right we're going to get to alex province's early autumn cocktail i said alex come up with something and sure enough he has how do you make it alex
2: all right so this is my like sunday night in the fall sipping uh Cocktail. Mm. I took a shot of bourbon, a shot of aged rum, some sort of rum that has like a little color to it.
0: Kind of a caramel brown.
2: Exactly right. And it doesn't have to be like the black kind, but just a little uh, barrel y. I took two shots of apple cider that you get at the grocery store, a squeeze of fresh lime juice, maybe a drizzle of honey. You can either use a Boston shaker or put it right in the glass, like a rocks glass with some ice cubes. Give it a stir and garnish it with a lime or a cinnamon stick. Yeah. Like a dark and stormy, but for fall, I like it. Uh, I like the cinnamon and stick.
0: And do you advise if it's you know a little too sweet for your particular taste, or just to add a little bit more lemon uh, lime juice? I start
2: off less sweet, so start off with like a drizzle of honey because you can't. It's not as easy to remove the sugar. And I don't like cocktails super sweet, so a little drizzle. If you need more, it's right in your glass. Just put a little bit more. Yeah, but and if ac- you
0: do like honey, then put in more honey. So and balance you can, it with the acid, can... more lime. Yeah, so you can fool with it. That's a great one. I love that, Alex. Okay, as promised, we're always searching about the best flour for gluten-free eaters and and bakers. Well, my friend Miriam, who is the baker at the Country Store on Village Lane in Orient, New York, that's the uh, North Fork of Long Island, she loves to work... With this cake flour that she has found, it's called Deya's, D-E-Y-A apostrophe S. And she recently made the best uh, gluten-free chocolate uh, walnut brownies. They were delicious. The texture was beautiful. They did not have that kind of metallic-y taste that certain mixes of gluten-free flours can have people are just getting better and better at this and for me the test is you serve it to people and no one knows i for instance i would have said but this is just a delicious brownie so it's at our website right now to get that brand of flour and that's org, as you know Here we go. As you know, we are eating now. We're talking about what's out there in the markets. If you go to farmer's markets, as I do, you see what is fresh now. So fennel is out there. Of course, the apples are just starting to come out there. There's uh, arugula there now, chanterelle mushrooms, green beans, seckel pears are out there, Mm, and lots and lots more. Uh, Of course, we've got uh, Chinese broccoli and horseradish and kohlrabi and mustard greens and okra and pumpkins and rutabagas and scallions and shallots, all kinds of squashes, tomatillos, Uh, turnips, and so on and on we'll go. We'll tell you on the Food Schmooze every time what is out there. Now, here we go. This book is really interesting because it's called The Farmstead Egg Guide and Cookbook, and I learned so much about real eggs. I'm talking about where the farmers care about what the chickens are eating, and so when that happens, depending on what they eat, and how much freedom they have, they are laying eggs that are so delicious, so beautiful looking. You can see why they're better for you. Oh, because, yeah. Chris, as you were saying, the color is oh this God. saffron, the yolk is. Stand up s- tall. Standing yeah. up tall. Honestly, you just, it's there's just.
1: No it's fantastic.
0: Yeah, I mean, not that there aren't some good egg companies out sure. there. I mean, I the other day I had Farmer's Cow. They do a great job eggs, and they're right here in Connecticut, and they were delicious. So, I mean, there are people who are doing lots and lots of eggs. You know, s- smaller companies doing them, and and they do a and very people good too, job. Right, the
1: na- oh, your yes, neighbors right. are a great resource if they have chickens. <laughs> yeah, <good job. laughs> Speaking of neighbors. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean we have 12 chickens on the I farm wish I, I live did. on and we <laughs> I wish I with, had that with 12 chickens we produce more eggs than we can eat and the neighbor everybody
2: in our neighborhood profits but Boy. it's the coolest thing to see neighbors walking down the street with their with their cardboard uh, yeah. their cartons going to the people who have eggs and coming yep. back with a dozen eggs. Yeah. Uh, so ultimate sharing. Here
0: yeah. is Terry Golson, who is author of the Farmstead Egg Guide and Cookbook. Welcome to the Food Schmooze, Terry. I'm
3: so pleased to be here.
0: So how would I do on the egg description? What is it that to make the very best tasting eggs and looking eggs, what are these chickens eating?
3: It depends on the backyard, and that's sort of what makes them so special. In my backyard um, right now, my chickens are getting my butternut squash, which I'm afraid have been gnawed on, so it's better for the chickens than for me. Um, They're eating the last of my tomatoes. They scratch around and get bugs. They get their laying hen pellets from the store, all sorts of things. Chickens are omnivores.
0: So they have a wide-ranging palate, and uh, some people will put out food scraps. Do you ever do that?
3: Absolutely. Um, the, the problem with food scraps is sometimes, just like with people, the food scraps aren't as healthy as they could be for the chickens. If they eat too many um, mm-hmm. foods that have a lot of calories and no value, they'll get fat and they won't be able to lay good eggs. It's the uh-huh. same thing okay. as it is with people. So I do give them food scraps, that, but the food scraps my chickens get tend to be the scrapings from my cooking.
0: So where Chris lives... There are chickens because he's living on a farm. They let the chickens out for a certain number of hours in a day. And they peck away. Right, Chris? Oh, my
1: gosh. You look at them. They're like an army <laughs> pecking and- away at the grass. And then they go into my front walk where there's, like, wood chips. And they, you know, scourge around in there for food. And, yeah, they're just the happiest chickens. And then you had the eggs today. You can taste how happy the chickens were.
0: Yeah, we had them on your carbonara. We're going to get to that in a second. Let's go to scrambled eggs because I thought we all cook scrambled eggs. And I realize when I see someone like Jacques Pepin doing sc- scrambled eggs, just how badly I'm making them. (laughs) They're fine for me, but, I mean, Jacques Pepin scrambled eggs are just exquisite. So you have what you call the master recipe for scrambled eggs. How do you do it?
3: I do. The secret to cooking most egg recipes is a low heat. And the mistake that people do is they want those eggs quick in the morning. They're hungry. They get going. They heat the frying pan up. The hotter the frying pan the more the eggs give off their liquid instead of holding them into the egg. So that's when you get those watery scrambled eggs.
0: So you heat a 10-inch skillet over very low heat and melt a little bit of butter in there.
3: And just take your time and fluff them up. Um, And, of course, starting with good eggs really, really helps. Eggs do vary in flavor, and they vary in freshness. And the thing about having fresh eggs is they taste better, and you can really taste it.
0: So you you whisk the eggs, and then you pour them into this uh, pan on low heat with a little bit of butter in it. it. And using this rubber spatula, you're stirring frequently, but I'm always doing the reverse. You push the eggs from the center to the sides of the pan. So the raw egg moves in contact with the hot skillet. I, I do the reverse, but I, I don't know if it matters. Um, but as soon as that egg, and you have to be patient, firms up all the way, you're good to go, and they're tender and fluffy and beautiful. I notice that you don't put any milk or cream in your eggs as I do.
3: You know, you can. I kept the master recipe very, very simple. Um, because personally, I believe that scrambled eggs should be as basic and... Um, in, in the morning as possible. I, I send a son off to high school at 6.15 in the morning. He has scrambled eggs every morning, and I'm not really awake to do anything else. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I, I so totally I, so get I that. It, I have it down to a, a, a minimal recipe as possible and still getting the best out of it. All right. Well, Chris,
0: we asked Chris to make your spaghetti a la carbonara recipe, and this was so delicious, and we did it three ways. We did it with a regular pasta which has gluten in it we did it with a gluten-free pasta and we did it with spaghetti, spaghetti squash, squash just to see what that would be like Chris yeah. that was a, that spaghetti was,
1: squash was amazing was that it? was it really Chris's
0: was. wonderful idea yeah. so um, I'm gonna have to
3: try that
0: yeah, yeah
1: very cool okay so Chris tell us how easy this was to oh my make. gosh I didn't look at the recipe until about 10 o'clock last night And I was like, oh, I got to get going on this. And then I'm like, "Uh, no, I don't. (laughs) Because really, you just you cook the pasta. So it starts off with a pound of spaghetti. And while your pasta is cooking, you whisk three eggs together with a quarter cup of Vermano cheese and a half a cup of Parmesan cheese. And then you have a little extra parm for the top. Then you take that and set it aside, and your pasta's still cooking. You take eight ounces of pancetta, cut it into a half-inch dice, and two cloves of garlic that you just smash, and you put that in a pan, and you crisp the pancetta with, with some
0: olive oil. Yeah, huh?
1: yeah. And then you crisp the pancetta till it gets crispy, and set that aside. And then and the
0: garlic, you get rid of that yeah, because yeah, it'll turn yeah. brown if yeah, you don't, yeah, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, and you don't want the big chunk of garlic because you just smash it, right? You don't just chop the it up. Just to flavor of the oil. Yeah, just to flavor of the oil, and it does get into the pancetta too because we were as we were finishing up. No, last night we were picking so the eight ounces of pancetta probably for us was only about six ounces Uh because two ounces went to the staff last night. don't think we didn't notice yeah i know Uh, and then it's really just comes together when you drain and this is the funny part when i looked at it i was like oh yeah that's so simple you drain the pasta and the pasta now is hot enough to cook the eggs so the eggs are in a big bowl you take your hot pasta that is drained and you basically just dump it onto the egg and cheese mixture and mix it up and the pasta just toss
0: toss toss Toss, toss, toss
1: that's it and wow. then you just add your pancetta to it then you add a little pinch of salt uh, some fresh basil and black pepper so that, that pancetta
0: was sitting in that a little bit of olive oil yeah. which has now been flavored with just mm-hmm. a touch of garlic and that just gets tossed in with Everything. a little yeah. touch of salt you can garnish with basil if you want a little sprinkling yeah. of pepper if you want to add additional parmesan cheese it was delicious. And for all
1: three, we did the exact same thing with the spaghetti squash. I just heated that up, back up in a saute pan and got it a little brown and did the same thing. I did one yes. little egg and with a little cheese and then dumped the spaghetti squash in the bowl. loved it with spaghetti squash. Yeah, it was good. It was and, spe- and if you've never spaghetti used spaghetti squash, spaghetti squash carbonara. Yeah,
0: <laughs> so if you've never done spaghetti squash, Chris, because I it love in, it, but yeah. go
1: ahead. Cut it in half, scoop out the seeds, and then on a baking sheet, just like you were doing the acorn squash before, Upside down on the baking sheet with a little bit of water in the pan, in the oven, about, you know, 30 minutes, 40 minutes. You take it out, let it cool a little bit, grab the bottom of, you know, the shell's part or the outside part, and then you just scrape it with a fork. And the spaghetti strands come out of this shell and – you know? and,
0: and it does not have the same texture as, as <laughs> spaghetti, you. You. you know. But but it's delicious. Listen, for together, gluten-free people, we're
2: in it for the come topping. Come on, we you know? made
1: on Sunday. <laughs> we made butter noodles with. Parmesan cheese with spaghetti squash, and it was a hit.
2: But in fairness, though, to Faith's point, I was hoping that the spaghetti, when I first came in and heard uh, spaghetti squash, I was like, oh, it really? is like pasta. And you're like, no, that is pasta. <laughs> spaghetti squash is that. Like, yeah, oh, okay. No, 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 no. All it's right. just,
1: it's the word. <laughs> we it's are. It's the word.
0: Word. <laughs> Nice job on that recipe, Terry. Terry Golson, who's author of, in paperback, The Farmstead Egg Guide and Cookbook. Lots of great tips uh, about having chickens, too, at the, the beginning of this book. I want to jump to Your recipe for Spanish garlic soup, because Mm -hmm. it has eggs in it. This is wonderful. Alex, you know about this. Alex is is Spanish. Okay, go ahead.
3: It's a really flavorful broth that's cooked with saffron and garlic, and you simmer it up with some really good sturdy bread. And then at the last minute, like onion soup, where you put it in the oven – But instead, this, you poach an egg in this really flavorful broth at the last minute.
0: So we're talking about a little bit of olive oil, lots of garlic, sweet paprika, ground cumin, ground saffron, chicken broth, a little salt and pepper, the eggs, and some chopped fresh cilantro or parsley, depending on your taste. That all comes together so easily. And then you drop the eggs into this soup mixture, and they poach to make a Spanish garlic soup. Did you grow up with that, Alex?
2: So classic in the winter, this time of year, in the north of Spain and the south of Spain. My mom always talks about garlic soup.
0: And let's jump to also your smoked trout omelet. I love smoked trout.
3: I do, too. I mean, one of the things when I come up with recipes is I think about the ingredients that I love the most, and then I think about how do I put them together as simply as possible to bring out the best of those good ingredients, and mm. that's what I tried to do here.
0: So some eggs, a little bit of milk, some unsalted butter, shredded smoked trout, and minced
3: chives. The eggs are going into a skillet. Like the scrambled egg recipe, you want to do this on a low heat because you want those eggs to set without giving off any extra liquid. You want that liquid to stay into, in the eggs, and that's what gives omelets that lovely, soft, rich texture.
0: And then you add the shredded trout as it starts to firm up, the eggs mm-hmm. start to firm up. I just don't want to let you go without talking about these cheese custards.
3: I love custards. Oh,
0: ramekins that are, you know, little ceramic dishes that are cooking in a baking dish with a little bit of water in there so that we would in a fancy way we'd call this a bain marie right? right A water bath this is just a gorgeous gorgeous little uh, savory custard that you make yeah. and it's yeah, it and shimmers and shakes you
3: don't even have to do the sort of custard where you have to simmer the egg yolks first this is So basic and simple. You just put the ingredients together, pour it into the buttered custard cups, put it in the oven, and And, and, they
0: come out luscious. And so those ingredients are the eggs, almost two cups of half and half, some salt, uh, a few ounces of the cheese of your choice that is grated, and then a couple tablespoons of grated Parmesan cheese. and And, And
3: this is a great recipe to use up those little bits of extravagant cheese you might have in the refrigerator.
0: Oh, good idea. Great so the oven is on. You put this in those little ceramic things and put the ceramic things in a baking dish. There's a little bit of water in the bottom of the dish. So essentially you're poaching these eggs in this water bath, and that's what makes them so shimmery and shaky as a true custard. And that's then right. half and half is in there with the cheeses, and it just bakes in the oven for about a half an hour until the custards are firmly set. They're nice and firm. Oh, boy. You can do this with goat cheese and asparagus, as
1: you do it, in the he, book. He just said glass of wine. I'm thinking poached salmon, glass of wine, and that custard. Oh, for wow. a light dinner? A yeah, yeah. glass that's of wine, amazing. a little Perfect.
2: salad, and, yeah. and a you, custard. You can yeah. put a little bit mm-hmm. of that beautiful.
0: smoked trout in there.
3: Oh,
1: yeah. Or oh, just wow. on
0: top. I wish oh. we'd had time. See, I wanted to get into your chocolate <laughs> walnut meringue cookies because... Come oh, <laughs> no. oh, on, don't stop.
3: are right, <laughs> that so the... beautiful. They crackle on the top. Yeah, and the prettiest things.
0: And don't you agree, Terry, this is great for the gluten-free people who have gluten-free chocolate because it's bittersweet or semi-sweet chocolate, egg whites, cream of tartar, granulated sugar, and chopped walnuts. That's it. There's no flour in this. And so if you're a paleo type... This is also great for, for you, or if you're just someone who loves cookies, as I do, <laughs> this is great for you, too. So many, many great recipes in here. I like your work a lot. Thank you so much, Terry, for being on the Food Schmooze
3: Party. Oh, I enjoyed myself, thanks.
0: Okay, in paperback, the Farmstead Egg Guide and Cookbook, the Food Schmooze on WNPR, airs Thursdays at 3, Saturdays at noon. Weekdays, listen for my 60-second food schmoozes. We are online right now with all the recipes we talked about and more at foodschmooze.org. Here's to pleasure, my friends. In New Haven, I'm Faith Middleton.
2: Everybody when they come to
0: This is the place to enjoy the richness of life. Sharing our local and national discoveries with you makes me want to get up in the morning. The gang and I hope you'll come back soon and often.